Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the episode 31 of the My Pursuit podcast. Um, my name is Mike, and I'm your host for the podcast. So glad that you guys are with me this morning, with, with me this week. Um, and uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, if this is your first episode that you're tuning in for, I would suggest that you go back and you check out the introductory episode before you listen to this episode, um, because I do explain a little bit about what we're doing. The format has changed a little bit over time. Um, the reason why I do what I do is because um, I am the lead pastor of a church who is now um, working outside of the church uh, while I pastor a church. And one of my challenges that I do that is to be able to live out what I've hoped that other people in my congregation would be doing with their own lives and, and some of the things that I teach. And so in this podcast, what, what I'm doing is basically my devotional life. I'm sharing my devotional life with you the scripture that I'm going through at any given time, as well as uh, what I believe my life application is. And I share that with you at the beginning of the week while I'm on my way to work, which is where I am right now. Um, at the end of the week on my way home, I share with you um, what, uh, like how it went, how it worked. You know, I, I'm trying to live out scripture and live out the life application that I find in scripture. And I'm trying to let you know, you know, did I do it? Did I chicken out? Did it go well? Did it go poorly? Were there unexpected results, which there almost always are? Um, and, and I get to share those things with you. And so I'm happy to do this and excited to do this. I'm excited that you guys listen to this um, because it it means a lot to me that anybody would care uh, enough to listen to this. And hopefully, I what I really hope by doing this is that I encourage you to live out this same pursuit, to live out this direction of saying, you know, I'm going to dig into scripture to find what my life application is, or I'm going to find life application by, by, you know, whether it's hearing a message or, um, you know, having a Bible study or whatever you do in order to kind of get into scripture and, and pull some meaning out of scripture and then to take that with you and, and live it out and see how it works in your life. So I am excited to be able to do this uh, with you guys and for you guys. I love your comments. I love your questions. And you can always um, send me your questions at mypursuit at outlook.com. And I would love to respond to any questions that you have. Um, not necessarily answer them, but respond to them. And we'll get to that in a little bit because I have a question that I will respond to this week. Um, but uh, let, let me t- kind of, first of all, let me apologize for the last couple of weeks because the last couple of weeks um, there was a little hiccup with the uploading of a few episodes and I don't know why that was, um, but the uh, podcast program that I use in order to do this, um, it, it sent me a notification that uh, my episodes need to be approved before being you know, made live for you. And um, I didn't know that. And I didn't read the emails because it's just the same email I've been getting every week. I assumed that they'd been posted. And I usually don't go back and check or listen to my own podcast. Um, So I didn't notice that they weren't there until somebody said, Hey, Mike, uh, why is it that you've gone two weeks without posting one? And I I had to re-upload them. I think I let you know that at the beginning of the last episode, episode 30, and let you know that that was kind of a bummer for me. 
And then uh, last week I didn't do one because last week was um, a week that I wasn't speaking on Sunday, and I'm trying to keep this consistent with what you know the weeks that I am um, speaking on on any given Sunday, so that um, I can use the scripture that I'm going to use on Sunday morning as my uh, direction for my devotion during the week. And I knew I wasn't going to speak last week, and I'll kind of get to last week in a second. Um, so I did not put one up last week, but this one, um, Lord willing, will be posted on time, uh, <laughs> and we'll, we will see about that. But um, hey, again, I am I am glad that you guys are listening to this. So um, let me tell you kind of what's going on in my mind in in the last couple weeks. Um, at the end of the last episode that I shared with you guys, the big thought that was rolling up and rolling through my mind was the thought of I just really see a lack of depth in the way that people are in relationship with each other Um, I see a lack of depth in um, or a lack of desire to have depth in conversations a lack of desire to find deep conversations and talk about really the most meaningful things in life and uh, the, the things that where there should be some of the big questions. And I, I've been kind of stunned by that because and I, I think I shared with you in another episode, one of the things that's really kind of weighed heavy on me recently is the fact that, you know, here I, I've been working outside of the church for five years, full-time outside of the church. And, um, and I, by, by the way, I didn't think I'd be working five years full-time outside of the church um, while I've been pastoring a church. I didn't think that that would ever happen uh, to me. And while I've been doing that, um, one, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is, that, is, is how few people really want to have those in-depth conversations. And by in-depth, I don't mean just like the conversations of like, let me evangelize you and um, share with you all the, all the things that I know from the gospel so that I can convert you. Not, not those kind of conversations, although those would certainly count. But any kind of conversation about things that really matter in life. I mean, deep issues of what's happening with, with family or deep issues of what's going on in relationships or, or what's going on in your mind, in your life. And, and I'm kind of amazed over and over again how few of those conversations actually happen. And let, let me kind of point out, I, I don't believe that they're not happening because people know that I'm a pastor and say, I don't want to ask this guy because he's probably going to tell me all about Jesus or something like that. That's not what I, what I experience. What I experience is that even when I talk to people, you know, talk to, you know, people about, you know, life in general, they'll talk about their marriages and it seems like even in their marriage, they're not sharing some of the deep thoughts, like some of the deep things going on in their life. And I'm blown away by it. In fact, the words that I used at the end of my last uh, podcast episode with you was, um, and th- this is kind of reactionary to some of the people that I dealt with during the day who were, you know, obviously a- had had some alcohol or, or you know, some drug. Um, I shared with you that it seemed that they were intoxicated away from depth. And that's really what resonates with me as I share this is that, you know, people who are drunk or high, even though they might think that they're having like an in-depth conversation, like a lot of times, like you're just babysitting them, you know, you're just taking care of them a little bit and 
that's all I felt in those conversations was there was a no, obviously nothing of substance, nothing deep. Um, you're just trying to walk them through life the way that you would a, a four-year-old child because they're, you know, drunk and high or whatever. And I had to deal with some of that the other week. And so anyway, um, I've really noticed this and that's been on my mind a lot lately. So last week, during the week that I had, um, where I didn't record a podcast, um, a lot of things have happened in the last week in that, um, it was my daughter's graduation from high school, um, which makes me feel weird. It makes me feel old to be able to say, you know, my, I've got a daughter in college, um, See, I, I, that, I didn't ever think that that would be a thing that caused me to feel old. I, I felt like, you know, once you're a grandfather, that's when you feel old. But, you know, once you've got a daughter graduating high school, you're like, wow. I mean, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm very proud of my daughter and everything that's that's gone on with that. I'm really proud of what she's been through in her high school career. You know, she was sharing with me how... Um, uh, somebody recently told her that, you know, graduation from high, sh- high school should be expected. It shouldn't be celebrated as much as it is because it should be expected. And I totally get that, right? It should be the standard of what high schoolers are held to. And, you know, celebrating mediocrity shouldn't be something that we always do. But, you know, when I look at what my daughter's been through, I wasn't celebrating the fact that she went to classes and passed tests. I mean... As, as much as, you know, that's a great thing and I'm sure was, you know, some work on her part in her life, just like it was in mine when, when I graduated. What I, what I celebrate when I celebrate her is what she went through with the shooting that happened at her school that she was present for there in, in the uh, school cafeteria. What she went through to emotionally recover, um, what she went through to continue to even go to that school. Um, was astounding to me the fact that she would stick it out after something so difficult like that and so um, that that was a big deal to me as we celebrated the graduation but as we went through the graduation ceremony um, we went to the baccalaureate we went to the graduation and we heard over the the few days of this we heard probably you know eight different people get up and at least eight you know eight to ten different people get up and give a speech you know valedictorians Um, class presidents and all that what I was amazed by in their speeches was how little depth there was in the speeches Um, I I was kind of blown away by it in fact it was my first reaction after the graduation and obviously you know I wasn't just telling my daughter all this but you know to hear so many people get up and and their big takeaway from high school was be yourself or you know you can achieve your dreams Um, None of those are deep thoughts. Um, All of those are things that you could find on motivational posters and stickers everywhere. Things that you read on Facebook. There there was nothing to that that was in any way something that somebody shared of either emotional depth or or, or really like thought-wise depth. There wasn't anything there. And and I was really surprised and impacted by that. And, and the more I've gone through this week, the more I've seen that. Um, so it has been an interesting week that way, um, which, which leads me to my devotion this week. And I, I got to tell you, my devotion this morning, and it, by the way, it's not the first day of the week because um, yesterday was my daughter's grad party. And so we were, uh, we were dealing with that all week. And so 
you know, I've had a couple days to look at this same uh, same bit of scripture, and um, it's we're moving into the book of Ephesians, by the way, because it's kind of the next letter that Paul wrote when he was in when he was in prison. Um, and reading through the first chapter, I've got to tell you, I've read through the first chapter probably three or four times now, and each time I've read through it, there's been nothing that jumped out at me. Um, Nothing that made me go, wow, like this is what it's about. This is what I need to know. This is what I need to do. Um, There's a whole lot of nice talk in there about who God is and what God did for us. And there's something there that I feel like I could stretch into being a life application this week. But I've got to tell you, and I kind of wanted to do this after yesterday morning and this morning of looking at the scripture and just going, huh, I'm not entirely sure what's there for me as far as life application this week. I'm not sure what's there for, like, that's original to me. And I've got to tell you, I didn't come up with something unique and and new this morning as I went through it. And I'm struggling a little bit with that. And I, and I wanted to admit that to you, that there are definitely times where I'm going through Scripture and I'm reading it. And, you know, what, what you read in the first chapter of, of Ephesians is wonderful. It's awesome. But I, I'm not sure what to make of it as far as life application for me. I mean, there was something at the end of it where Paul prays for us to have, um, I, I think what's referred to in the New Living Translation is spiritual wisdom. And I really like that thought. And that's kind of the thought I'm sticking with this week is, you know, what what is spiritually wise? You know, what, what do I have this week that's, that's spiritually wise where I can you know, find something in the scripture to live out where I can be spiritually wise in the, in the world around me. And I'm, I'm not sure that I have anything concrete on how to do that. You know, just in my mind, you know, I'm thinking about how can I, how can I look at people and look at life through more of a, of a spiritual lens rather than, um, you know, just through the lens of just, going and living day by day. Um, and, and so there's something in there for me, but I have to admit to you, I'm just, I'm just kind of being honest and confessing to you. I, I'm not, I'm not particularly finding something that just grabs me right off the bat in those verses. Um, and perhaps by the end of the week, something will, and I'll be excited to share that with you. Um, but let me, let me kind of jump into, uh, responding to a question. Um, I had a question that was asked to me verbally the other week and obviously because of the hiccup in the podcast I think there's been people who have not been submitting questions via email so I would love to receive your questions via email at mypursuitatoutlook.com but a question that was asked to me verbally and I'm sure that I'll get this wrong was somebody who was saying Mike I would really like for you to share what it is that you've been through or what it is that you've read that causes you to be able to read scripture the way that you do um or to kind of look at spiritual things the way that you do um, with, and and I, what I was perceiving that she was asking me, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, <laughs> was uh, that um, that I tend to really desire to find life application in what I read, and sometimes the life application that I find there and what I find in Scripture is a little counter to like a very surfacey reading of the scripture that, that you could take scripture in one way and you could just read it on the surface and you might pull out of it something about, you know, being nicer or 
you know, just love or blah, you know, that, that sort of thing. But I, I think she was asking, you know, Mike, how, like, what, what have you done that caused you to, um, maybe find more in that scripture? What have you done that caused you to look at spiritual things the, the way that you look at them? And, um, I have to admit when she shared that with me, I, um, I think I'm honored by it, um, for sure. But there was definitely a, a part of me going, um, you know, what, what is the impetus of, of that in my life? Because, um, you know, when she shared that with me, she was kind of saying, this is not the way that I hear most people talking about the Bible. And there's part of me going, okay, maybe that means that I'm a little bit anti-authority and that I'm thinking about it differently than, um, than other people in charge would. And maybe that's because, um, I, I've looked at authority and I've kind of shrugged it off and said, you know, I don't want to be like that guy. I want to be different. Um, and maybe there's a little bit of that, but I have to admit to you for most of my life, I've been, I've been pretty good with authority. Um, I'm not one of the people who's always yearned to, uh, rebel. I've not, I'm not somebody who's looked at my parents and said, you know, I I need to get away from my parents and be completely different than them. Um, you know, my leaders and, and the pastors and the spiritual leaders and the teachers in my life have all generally been people that I've admired and people that I've wanted to take something away from. Um, in, in fact, I've had, I've had, you know, senior pastors, people in my life that I've worked for during the time when I've worked that I've disagreed with on major, major issues. And I've had problems with some of the ways that they've lived and some of the things that, that, that they've done. Um, but still those people have meant a lot to me in my life. And, uh, and I, I feel like I've gotten a lot out of them and I'm kind of wondering if that's kind of where that's where some of this is for me is that I haven't looked at authority figures in my life as people that I need to rebel from. Um, rather I've, I've always tried to look at, you know, what, what is it that I should take from this person? What is the gift that this person has that I should be inspired by, that I should be influenced by, and that I should try to maybe replicate in my own life? And for me, that's been a big deal because I, I can tell you about leaders that I've had in the past, pastors I've had in the past, teachers that I've had, where I've gone, man, I do not want to become like this person, but there's something in their life that I've really admired and really liked and really wanted to be like that I've really tried to put into my life and I, I've really tried to allow to inspire me. And I think I've been able to do that for the most part in my life. So it's not a sense of wanting to rebel. It's more of a sense of trying to try new things and say, you know what, this person does have something to teach me. I'm going to put something of theirs into my life. But as far as what I've read that's changed me the the greatest and the most, um, I'll give you a few books. And one right off the bat always pops into my mind. It's a book by a guy named Mike Iaconelli, famous youth pastor, like kind of guru of youth pastors. Died very tragically in a car accident uh, a little bit more than a decade ago. Um, love the guy. Love what he wrote. He was the um, kind of editor and founder of a, a magazine called The Wittenberg Door, um, which was a very irreverent look at Christianity and, and the church. Um, but he wrote a book called Messy Spirituality, um, which I've reread probably three times in my life, and I'm kind of due for another read-through of it. Um, it's an easy-to-read book, 
Um, but I love his attitude in the book. He absolutely loves Jesus, and um, it it impacts. I mean, he, he shares how it impacts his daily life, and so that to me was a huge book for me. Um, so I remember that was huge. I remember early on, um, kind of in my adulthood, I read Simple Faith by Charles Swindoll, and I remember that being a really big book to me because. Um, he kind of tries to break down his in, faith into simplistic things. He does it differently than C.S. Lewis did in Mere Christianity, in that he he tries to just say, you know what? There's some places where you just need to just do Scripture. You just need to live Scripture, and that that was a big deal to me reading that early on. And then a couple other books um, more recently. Well, I, it's not that recent anymore. But Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell, and I know oh some people think that Rob Bell is like the most you know the heretical Christian who's gone off some weird deep end, and I get it. You know, I. But Velvet Elvis, um, if you read that book, man, um, it really speaks a lot of what I've felt and what I've thought. Same, same with Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. That's more of a um, kind of a rebellious look again at Christianity and at faith, but um, it's one that's very needed for a lot of people. Those books have been huge. There's a book uh, by Erwin McManus called Seizing Your Divine Moment, which was re... I'm pretty sure it was retitled um, Uprising and re-released. Um, same book, different name for some reason. Um, fantastic book. Uh, a book that talks about, you know, how... Uh, it it kind of makes it sound as living out faith the way that God wants us to is a heroic act and one that we need to... Uh, be able to do in moments in our life when it's not easy to do that and um, those are what he calls you know the divine moments and that there are times where we're really called to to do that and some very poignant stories in that book um, and and then of course Brennan Manning who's been one of the biggest uh, influences in my spiritual walk um, the ragamuffin gospel obviously is right along those same lines um, he wrote a book, though, called The Wisdom of Tenderness, which to me is still one of the greatest things I've ever read. Um, just amazing on how he talks about a real and personal faith with Jesus and the fact that Jesus is tender with us and that Jesus loves us and even likes us. And uh, just a fantastic thought in that book. So anyway, that's my response to that question. Um, maybe that gives you something to check out and something to read. As far as what I listen to right now, I listen to Andy Stanley, one of my favorite teachers. Um, that's where I get a lot of inspiration for my own daily walk. Um, but uh, John Ortberg's another one that I listen to quite often. Um, and also Tim Keller I listen to quite a bit and uh, just found out a couple weeks ago that he's retiring, and that's kind of a bummer for me. So anyway... Um, just pulling into work right now, so I will end this this morning, but I'm really grateful that you guys are listening to this and excited to talk to you again at the end of the week. We'll talk to you then. Bye. All right, well, I'm back, and I'm glad you guys are with me on my way back. It's Saturday uh, it's not quite as late as usual because uh, I did not stay until the end of the day at the golf course, which uh, was a very welcome uh, respite. In fact, uh, in the middle of the day, I got to go and um, spend some time at a friend's new house, and 
uh, got to see that and I thought that was just kind of a really nice little break in the day and uh, actually I get to be home a few hours earlier than I normally do on a Saturday night so I actually will have time to relax before I go to bed um, and then wake up early in, on Sunday morning and, and get church going so I'm actually really looking forward to that tonight and I know it's kind of silly just to look forward to a couple hours of peace and quiet or a couple hours of relaxation but I am really looking forward to that today because this has been a busy week it's been a busy lot of weeks um, and I think maybe I shared some of that with you that once the high school golf season got over I had like a million people who were waiting to take golf lessons from me um, which is amazing and I love the fact that I get to do that I love giving golf lessons and uh, I'm getting better and better at doing it um, at least that's what I've noticed in um, in doing these lessons so I'm thrilled about it, and um, the only thing I'm not thrilled about is that it takes a lot of time, and uh, even while I'm getting paid really well to do golf lessons, um, it, takes, it takes a lot of time out of my day, especially at the end of a work day, like sticking around for three or four lessons, you know, three or four hours after work every day just becomes like a little bit too much, and so um, anyway, I am... Um, thrilled that you guys are with me on the drive home today. In fact, that's kind of how I picture it, by the way. I, When I'm doing this podcast, I know it's kind of an awkward and weird thing, but um, I, I picture that you guys are, you know, somehow with me, and um, that helps me to be able to sit here in my car and talk to myself alone. You know, that whole thing about picturing other people when you speak. I, I don't picture you in your underwear, by the way. Who came up with that, by the way? Have you ever thought about that? How is that supposed to make you less nervous when you're doing public speaking? Would you be less nervous if a room full of people were in their underwear while you were up on a stage having to speak to them? Think about it. What would you look at? Like, what would you... How, how would you address that? How would you not, like, only talk about that? Like, I'm sorry that you're all in your underwear right now. Um, like, maybe I should look away. You'd feel so... You'd feel more awkward than any other time. Like... If you want to be less nervous doing public speaking, just be grateful that people are not in their underwear while you're trying to do that. Any, anyway, I'm, I, I do feel like you guys are with me when I'm, when I'm doing this, and I'm thrilled about it. So at the beginning of the week, I shared with you um, in a couple different forms. I think I told you that as I read through Ephesians chapter 1, um, there wasn't anything that immediately jumped out. The first few days of the week, that is definitely true. And I got a little bit frustrated with myself at the beginning of the week. The only thing that jumped out was how uh, Paul, at the end of Ephesians 1, uh, kind of says that his prayer for uh, the, the church at Ephesus, his prayer for them is to have um, spiritual wisdom. And I really like that term. And, and that's the New Living Translations term. I'm not sure if that's every translation, but um, I like that term and I like that thought. But I couldn't wrap my head around necessarily what that thought was. Um, and so what I did was I started reading Ephesians chapter 2. I know, it's kind of cheating. I, I read ahead. I was like the, the teacher's pet in class. I, I read ahead and I knew what was coming. But, you know, I, I read ahead in Ephesians chapter 2. And to me, the first eight or nine verses of Ephesians chapter 2 are what makes sense of Ephesians chapter 1 and it's not that Ephesians chapter 1 is confusing it's just I don't understand like why that's there why that's what he wanted to share with the Ephesians then and why that's what God wants me to hear now I don't understand that that's what God wants me to hear until I read Ephesians chapter 2 
Because in Ephesians chapter 2, he starts out with saying, like, now, like, he says to them, now we were all dead, right? Like, he starts that way. And he says, we were all dead in our sins and transgressions, right? And then he says, after that, he says, we were um, following the devil. And, And he said, that was the spirit that led us. And I started thinking about that more and more during this week. And I'm like, you know what? This this is a true statement. And by the way, I'm trying not to um, say right here everything that... um, Everything that I'm going to say tomorrow on Sunday, by the way. Um, There's a lot that I want to say about this as I speak about it. So, um, you know, by the time you hear this, I will have already given that message. So, yeah, I'm I'm trying to say all that I'm going to say. Um, But isn't it interesting... That Paul's whole adult life of following Jesus has been about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But he says this. He says that while we were dead, and he points out, he says, everybody was dead. While we were all dead, we were all led by the spirit of the devil. And have you ever thought of it? I mean, to be honest, I don't think about that much. And I certainly I don't love thinking about it. Um, but that's what Paul says that we were. He says that we were dead and we were following the spirit of the devil. Like instead of the Holy Spirit, we had the spirit of the devil guiding us. And it, it first of all made me think, okay, like a lot of us, you know, as you're listening to this, I'm assuming there's a point in your life where you had, uh, you had a time and a point in your life where you realize that you became alive to Christ. You, you became alive. You, you um, decided to follow Jesus and decided to start that faith relationship. And because of what Jesus had done for you, um, you are now alive in Christ and, you know, filled with the Spirit and, and all that. Like, there was a time in your life where that, that's what you became. But it, it also caused me to think, you know what, there's a lot of people who never in their life have been alive and um, oh that that just is an awful thought to think about there's a lot of people who have never been alive at all in their life there are people who do not know that they are dead and I know that we have street corner preachers who get out there with bullhorns and microphones and go out telling people you know you're going to hell and you're a sinner and that's why you're going to hell that whole thing and I know that that happens and certainly that's not the implication of this in my mind and and the application of this but it really causes me to think there are so many people in this world who do not know that they are dead and the thing that worries me as I share this is that I don't know that those people look at us and know that we are alive as Christians that needs to be my one of my number one concerns is that the people that that I see who are dead I want them to see life in me so right Paul says we were all dead we were all following Satan's spirit and and this caused us you know to live in this unrighteousness and sin Right, which allowed us to be living under, you know, and the way he puts it is God's anger or God's wrath right there, depending on the translation you read, right? But then he starts off after that, and he says, but wait, there's more here, right? That, that now we, we can have life because of what Jesus did. 
and he's, and that's when he does the verse, you know, from Ephesians chapter two, for it is by grace that we've been saved, right? Through through faith, that you know, this is it's not by works, right? This is not of ourselves, right? So that we can't boast. It's a free gift of God, and as I read that and as I hear that, he's comparing the two the two states, right? And he's saying there's a state of being dead where you are following the spirit of the devil or there's a state of being alive where you're following the spirit the holy spirit and and that's what life is and life is being in the presence of god having the holy spirit with you that's what eternal life is going to be being in the presence of god and having god's spirit with you and and i just like the more i heard that the more i read that this week the more i decided for myself that one of the things that I need to be able to do is I need for more people to understand that I'm alive. Um, I, I need for dead people to see what life looks like through me. And I don't know if that's like on your mind or in your heart, but do dead people see you as alive? Um, because I, I know that we've gone so far in trying to make dead people feel dead, at least the church has, religious people have. They, they've tried to get people to understand their unsavedness or their sinfulness or their unrighteousness and all those other nisses. But have we ever like caused them to, rather than seeing their own problems, um, they haven't seen us more alive because of that. And have we ever gone out of our way to cause people to see us as more alive? Have we ever gone out of our way in a way that would cause people to see that that the people of Jesus are the people where life is inhabited, where the people that, that are life-giving and, and life-changing and life-altering, and do they see those things in us, like giving and, and life-changing and, and life-altering kinds of relationships with people, and, and that really struck a chord with me this week, and so... This week I decided, um, in kind of more towards the end of the week, to be honest, because I wasn't getting it at the beginning of the week, I, I decided I really wanted to see people more through the eyes of those verses. Because really when it comes down to it, that's what depth is. is it's, it's, it's about what's the most real thing. Like, and what is the most real thing? The most real thing, according to Paul, is that there is life and there is death, Right? And the distance between those two is the way of Jesus, right? It's the way that Jesus made because of what he did for us. And it's our having faith in that. And and I, I think we need to be more honest in that as Christians, this is the way we're supposed to see the world. When we see others, we're, we're supposed to look at people and say, I want them to see life through me. They might be dead. I may not know that they're dead. They might think that they're alive and yet still be dead. And, and I want them to see life in me. And uh, I, I just, this week, in a, in a few conversations, in a few times where I was, you know, giving golf lessons, I decided to give a certain portion of the time that I'm with the people that I'm giving lessons to because I know I'm going to be in a longer-term relationship with them. I know I'm going to see them, you know, for at least an hour a week for a few weeks. And and um, as I'm in those relationships, I wanted one of the first things that they heard from me and was for me to be asking them about who they are and why they live the way they lived and, and what they're about, you know, and just to hear them and value them. And I wanted, by the end of each lesson, for them to know that I care about them and I value them beyond just golf. And I told them almost exactly that. 
And I tried to do that with everybody who I had spent significant time with this week. And a couple people I could tell that that was like a pretty heartfelt thing to hear. But um, I I just wonder if that's um, something that's more needed. I didn't tell any of those people about Jesus. Um, I, I don't think hardly any of those people knew that I was in ministry or you know, knew that I'm a Christian or, you know, at least I didn't tell them that I was. Um, but I really did feel like, you know, this was something that I was there to communicate this week and that's something that I was trying to do. So I want to give you that challenge this week. Um, what would it be like this week if you caused people to see life inside of you? What would it take for people to see life coming from you and to find life in you and in how you live? Um, I, I think it's an interesting question and an interesting um, an interesting challenge this week. So anyway, um, once again, I'm glad that you guys are with me. Um, I, uh, I I really don't have any other way to wrap it up uh, besides saying, I, I don't know if I recommended these guys before, but if you're looking for a good band, interesting band, kind of blues, kind of rock band, check out Little Hurricane. They're, uh, they're coming to town uh, after not too long, at least up to Bellingham and down to Seattle, but uh, that's a cool band to check out. They have a, a CD called Homewrecker, uh, which is really pretty good, um, and I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for you guys. So, anyway, hope you have a fantastic week. I would love to hear your questions and respond to any that you have. So, please send me any questions that you guys have um, to mypursuit at outlook.com. Again, I don't promise that I'll answer them, but um, I would love to respond uh, to some of those as I'm able. So, anyway... Um, have a wonderful week and hope to see you around. Hope to hear from you if, if you have any questions or anything to say. Um, and again, I do this because I really do care about you guys and, and I'm glad that you're in my life and, and a part of it. So anyway, um, blessings on your week and we'll talk to you next time. Just an ordinary mind to you.